there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. As a plant-based cheese company, Dea has never talked about beef in an ad before. Because someone somewhere once had a beef with saying beef and plant-based together. So, putting a slice of Daya cheese on a beef burger, not okay. Well, our delicious melty cheese has a beef with your beef about beef. Because any step towards plant-forward eating is a step in the right direction. Daya, 100% plant-based, even if you're not. Now made with Daya Oat Cream Blend. It's just like having two girlfriends, like, and they know about it. That's never happened to me, by the way, darling. Likewise. Get <laughs> by, you get by. Wow, you turning on Ancelotti? I've always, I've he's never, not, not I've him. never been You've an never Ancelotti. Him. Even when he won the Champions League and La Liga, I still wanted him out. Within the next five years, will we see our first dribbly goalkeeper? That's coming. Um, I think there's, there's the seedlings of that at Brighton. This may have been the week in which the cracks have started to fall. It's very easy to get caught up in the drama of it all, with football being the reactive environment that it is. And actually, well, I'm going off script straight away. It's one sentence in. <laughs> Kweku joins us. Hello, Kweku. How you doing? Okay. I'm good. I'm good. Faisal. Joins us. Hello, hello. My man. Uh, thank you. Finally. Thank, thank you for having together. me. Together. This is exciting. <laughs> and Kai, producer Kai, joins us as well. He is down, so we've got him a seat. And uh, he's, you're going to be our stat man if we need any research at any moment in time. Because we're going to do two podcasts. First of all, we're going to talk about topical stuff and the Premier League. And then the second podcast is going to focus more on the ripple effects of the Champions League. But also, <laughs> but also a list of the top 100 players of all time. That we're we going go. to provide some little ripples too. But that will be later in the week. So if you haven't followed the podcast, we're getting close to 4K. Five-star yeah. ratings, which is outrageous. Let's keep going. Keep moving. Take a second. Move your finger or your thumb more lightly. Press that button. Give us five stars. And uh, go enjoy all the other podcasts. But enjoy this one and the two that we've got this week. I'm really excited about the, the chat that we're going to have here. Because it's nice to have bodies knocking about as well. Because we can get all sorts of different uh, mm. opinions. And uh, Faisal, I'm a big fan of yours, mate. I have been for a while, mate. You're a good lad. Thank you, man. And uh, the latest from the SDS collective to make their way onto the podcast. So all Absolutely. the boys are doing really, really well, which is great. No, I appreciate you, man. But let's make it neg- negative. Let's get back to the negative. Because just before we start recording... I, uh, Quacky uh, was saying that you're a bit fed up with football chat at the moment. It stinks was the words football that you said. Like, just let's get this off our chest because we did this last week. Got stuff off our chest and it felt good. So whilst Quacky's talking, if there is anything that anyone wants to get off the chest, <laughs> Kai, I'm looking at you. I'm sure you'll be ready. Then then feel free. It's an open forum. But yeah, Quacky, what are you saying? Um, first of all, Kai, that's a fantastic shirt. Talking about people and chest. That, that's a, the hand of the matter actually. Yeah. That's incredible um, for people watching. What I want to get off our chest feels like a therapy session is football discourse absolutely stinks. Like in terms of what you see and hear online, if you put out an opinion, I the amount agree. of hate that you get back from it, everyone's just really, really angry. And I don't know why. Mm. Football's great. Football's supposed to be enjoyed. And everyone's just so, it's, not, it's gone beyond tribalism. It's just like, I don't even know if these people online support teams or not. It's just the case <laughs> of they just want to be angry yeah. and shout into a void. And it bothers me, man. Yeah, um, I think I had this last week. And it was, I think it was the international break. 
I think the problem is the international break and people were like, I need something or at least I need the narrative moving forward as quickly as possible so that I've got something to kind of like concentrate on. And without that, people, you know, people just start getting aggy because there's not much to talk about. I I agree. It's the awkwardness of it. I feel like now you can't even criticise a player. Like if you say one little thing negative about a player, all of a sudden you hate that person or you hate that team. What's your biggest blow up? (laughs) Is there one that comes to mind straight away? It's what I said about KDB. Oh, yeah. And City fans, oh my God, they were on me. They, it reached a stage where they even called, because I work um, in, a, in a nine-to-five job. They found where I worked and, <laughs> they, and, they, and they actually called me. Like, it started start calling me, start emailing me in my actual personal life. Wow. It's how bad it was. Yeah. What did you say about KDB? <laughs> let's, let's, let's do it for another <laughs> <one second>. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it's but it is, and I think it's just like I said, the international break was maybe a good thing. I think people are just so locked in at the moment. There's so much way, there's so many ways to like interact and engage with football, whether it's FPL, whether yeah. it's on Twitter, whether it's actually watching the games, which people don't actually do anymore, they which don't. is the biggest they, issue. They don't. Um, and and I've used it before. When you talk to your boys, you're like, oh, you don't know ball because you don't agree with your opinion. I like it, but when that just bleeds into <laughs> into reality or bleeds into social media sphere. It's just bothersome, man. It makes you not want to talk about football. Do you know what? There is there is a silver lining because I felt this last week, but I, there was a comment on my video yesterday and if you're that person, you will know because I replied to you saying, thank you. Th- this guy went, I, re- I totally get what you're saying. I think it's, like, it's an interesting point, but I totally disagree and here's why. And I was like, mate, that's cool. Yeah. Like that's, that's that's fine. You think you don't think there's any like merit in the diamond for Man United? You think they need to go back to a four three three? That's cool. That's fine. It, it's, well, the, can we all just get along? Can we just all, that, well? That's the beauty of football. It's where objectivity meets subjectivity, and the subjectivity is like your opinion on the game mm, and mm. the discourse that surrounds the game when the the weeks in between the games, and then the objectivity is when the the first whistle blows on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon and you start watching the football and the result is objective there's no dispute yeah, about yeah, it yeah. and so let's just all be nice to each other it's <laughs> yeah. fine you well, can have opinions do you know what I think it is as well I think it's the the bleeding in of kind of cognitive dissonance so you have an idea of what your team's going to do this year mm-hmm. and the season then starts and you go well it's, it's one game it's a draw mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. whatever or second oh, it's two at least two games. we've had a tough run of games here. we've had to play three difficult days whatever it is right but once you get to and we're going to talk about managerial sackings and the possibility of that when you get to five games six games the the bleeding of disappointment into your soul <laughs> starts to take hold. And I think that these are very awkward months where you're like, you know, September, October, November, you almost need to get to, and that continues on till at least we can see the, like the, um, where you get January where people are going, okay, we'll fix it, fix it yeah. now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like, and that's what the transfer is for. Right. <laughs> and then after that, you're just then looking at the finishing line. And again, it can come back together and, and it can work itself out. Kai, for example, Everton. Generally, it's about six, seven months of heartbreak and then one month of this club. This yeah. is my club, right? Right. And then followed by self-loathing again. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, but then there's also the other side, say a Chelsea last year, but like you look at the finishing line and you know wherever, what, even if it all clicks now, mm. we still can't get there. And that's why I think it got uglier and uglier last year for, for Chelsea. So I think that is a big part of it. Yeah. But we're right in the crux of it right now. So anything could happen. And uh, we're going to talk about all of that. Let's get back to this. So you've got a reactive environment. There we go. 
So thanks to KG underscore KGAFC underscore for the word of the week, which is context. Yes. Did that, did that soothe you a bit, the word context? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love We're context. going to try and live in the space of context this week. So context is the circumstances that form the setting for an event, statement or idea, and in terms of which it can be fully understood and assessed. Oh, that was nice. That was beautiful. That was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, who knew? And I think context, when we talk about our 100 players in the second pod, that's going to be really, really cru- crucial uh, because it's very, I think it makes it really, really difficult, but that makes it fun as well, right? Mm. So... Game week five of the Premier League season was an emotional affair, to say the least. Last minute winners, embarrassing defeats and frustrating matches have seen game week five break some fans. <laughs> and has been the first time we've seen the manager has to go shouts from a few different clubs. Very sort of underground murmurings on that. The ripples of game week five could have season defining impact if the narratives from the game week stick and become the widespread belief of each fan base involved. This may have been the week in which the cracks have started to form. So we asked people on Twitter for some options on ripple effects that could have occurred from the weekend. Rory Talks Football, who has got a big TikTok, I've been told, and is an Arsenal fan. He says, I would love to hear your thoughts on the potential ripple effect of Arteta hinting that he could tactically substitute his goalkeepers within games, depending on the game situations and regrets that he didn't have the courage to do so previously. Faisal, you moved your head there. Was that an, was that an eye roll? No, How actually, we feeling? <laughs> I looked at him. Oh, he, okay. he disagreed, but I, I kind of hear it. I, I, I don't see a problem with it. I, I've seen Arsenal fans, some of, 50% of Arsenal fans are like, why is he doing it? It's of course given a bad maybe impact towards Ramsdale, but I've seen another fifty percent. I'm I'm with the well done. Like you made you made the right decision. If As you go with Raya, and go right, and I think that specific game in a hostile environment at Everton, Goodison Park, I think he did a very well job. He was very composed at the back. He was very calm whenever he collected the ball, and that's what you needed. Ramsdale, we've seen moments of him just. Just literally just outrage out of nowhere like random outrage bad decisions bad passing but Raya that game for me I think he was the most composed player on the pitch so I see why he did it so that, that's what I found so I think there's loads of interesting stuff here first of all let's start with David Raya and Ramsdale mm-hmm. who do you think is the better goalkeeper David Raya is not really even that close I think Ramsdale's a really good keeper I, I do I think he's in that second tier I think Raya has the ability to to join Alisson and Edison on that elite tier of goalkeepers. Really? Um, yeah, obviously they're both great with the ball at their feet. I think Raya's a little bit better. You saw that in the Everton game, and I feel like as an actual goalkeeper, in terms of the fundamentals of saving, it comes for crosses. I think Raya's better at that as well. There's a reason why Arteta went to get him. I know that he's the discourse out there is that they're going to maybe experiment in terms of rotating the keepers. This, this coming week is crucial. I think in the Champions League against PSV, um, I think Ramsdale plays North London derbies on the weekend. That's the crucial one. Whoever starts the North London right. derby. Wait, so, so where does the... Um, he's going to give off a message, isn't he? Mm-hmm. At some point. And maybe the concoction here is quite clever, actually. Because if he goes, well, I'll give you the Champions League game, mm-hmm. Ramsdale. Mm-hmm. That's a big game for us. Mm-hmm. But then you're giving the other guy the Prem game <laughs> yeah. and not just any Prem game, the North London derby. Yeah. The decision for who's the goalkeeper in that North London derby, is that the one that provides the message of who 
deep, deep down. Come on. You can't have two number ones. Yeah. They're, 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 it has to does. be early It, it kind of does, because that's the biggest, biggest game of the season so far. Spurs are playing exceptional. And in a game, in a, in a crucial game, start of the season, I think, I think as you said, I think it's just a deciding moment. Whoever starts that game, for me, it's the first choice goalkeeper. Okay. Even though we've seen in the past where some managers, they like to have a cup goalkeeper and some managers like to have a, a Yeah, West Ham were quite big on it, weren't they? Like, I think City as well did it with Ortega, I think, just just uh, cup games. But we haven't seen in Champions League games. Usually in the Champions League games, I've seen it with, with Jose in my own club, Madrid, he's got a manager, um, a goalkeeper for the league and Champions League and just for the cup. So let's see what Ramsdale... If Ramsdale is just a cup for both Champions League and cup and FA Cups, League Cups, and of course you've got Ramsdale Premier League, then... It makes sense. It's funny that you brought up Jose Mourinho because I was going to reference him as well. But 14, 15 for my club, Chelsea, when we had Couture and we had Petr Cech. Yeah. And he had a decision to make. And of course, he was saying similar things to Mikel Arteta because you've right. got to say it to placate your players. But ultimately, Couture won that, won that job and Cech was off within the year. I can't see Ramsdale staying at Arsenal and being, being rotated in and out. It just doesn't work. It doesn't happen. And we very rarely see it in the Premier League. Because fatigue's not a thing here. <laughs> no. like, that's the thing, right? So... I didn't think about this, but maybe with Everton, which is, it's an away trip that is normally a good, you know, home game for Everton. They've had a really good record, haven't they, Kai? Yeah, they haven't beaten us since 2017 at Goodison. Well, I wonder if it's a temperament thing. Because I was thinking, so the thing I wanted to explore here was, I mean, which other clubs could maybe do something like this? But also, how long would this go on for? And why why is it starting as well? So let's, let's kind of work our way through that. First of all, in terms of the, for me, the, the reason it's, now an option come back to context is you've got how many people sat on the bench and and you're allowed to make five substitutions it helps yeah so you can look at any element of the game even the goalkeepers now and make those changes right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the second thing then becomes what changes would you want from a goalkeeping substitution like previously it was just been the penalty shootout, you've got Last minute. whoever that guy is, Tim Krull needs to come on because he's the penalty guy who's a wind-up, right? But as an actual tactical substitution, what are the reasons for, for making a change? Because coming back to Everton, maybe the North London derby as well, I actually think... I So Ramsdale, I think, has a good temperament, mm-hmm. but I think he is provocative, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that is a a dangerous thing to roll into Goodison Park to a North London derby. So when it comes to these two, like you could say Ray is maybe a little bit better on the ball, but it's tight, right? In terms of shot stopping, again, it's very tight, I think. I disagree. I think Ray is way better. Do you? I've got to hear. Shot stopping. Okay, go on. Ramsdale save percentage, all time in the Prem, 68.83. Raya is 76.14. So Ray is pretty, pretty bit. See, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have. I mean, I guess maybe it's more um, the consistency of those saves, right? Yeah. M- more so than those spectacular moments when it comes to those. But saves. don't you think that stat is a bit, in a way, I'm not. I'm not necessarily misleading, but Bright, but um, uh, Brentford, they concede much more shots than Arsenal. I've got that here as well. Do you know what, actually? Well, yes, and also to add to that, whilst you're doing your homework there, the idea of how Brentford defend, because Brentford are yeah. very, very intelligent mm-hmm. in terms of the shots that they allow for mm-hmm. and the bodies that will be in the way of that. So mm-hmm. the ones that get through to David Rea may well be ones that aren't as clear-cut as opposed to an Arsenal team that's mm. got everyone higher up the pitch. Exactly. So Ramsdale's saves per match, 3.09. 
Rhea 3.70. So it's not a lot in it considering the percentages of Quicker, but quicker size. I, I, okay, I, I, the relief I, I just, I just think Raya is. is you better. don't know ball, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, but I think, in terms back to your original question, the circumstances in which you would rotate the keepers. I'm old school. I like my keepers to come for crosses. I think if 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 Arsenal playing against West Ham. For example, you want to maybe play Raya, who's maybe right. a bit more adept at coming for crosses. I don't know if you've got a stat for that as well, Kai. Yeah, Hopefully yeah, not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I think I think in those kind of situations, the set-piece situations, I think that is very, very imperative. I saw it with Chelsea where we were we were fluctuating between uh, Mendy and Kepa. Yeah. And it was just such a big difference when Mendy came to collect a cross. It just relieved so much pressure. So I think a keeper for that situation, that scenario, especially playing away from home against a team that utilises set pieces would be an effective thing but to do. But then it made a huge difference for you guys where Kepa is actually on the ball. It's very, Way very better. different than Mendy. Mendy yeah, yeah, Mendy, yeah. On, Mendy on the ball is... Well, that's it. In the Champions League... <laughs> Um, against your boys where yeah. Mendy made that huge error yes. Kepa might be better in the Champions League situation and you might be good for you this season in the Champions uh, League let's not go that, that far yeah. but, but there's far. situations scenarios I think in European football maybe yeah. um, you might prefer a keeper that can play with his feet and doesn't necessarily have to come and collect crosses but I think in the Premier League you want the more physically imposing yeah. goalkeeper right because I think also this is something that could be applicable to England think of someone like Nick Pope in terms of coming for crosses and, and games like that I think the problem with England is England are a sort of a dominant force in most games and still need to be able to you know pass the ball correctly and for me Nick Pope is no way near at that level and I think when it comes to those big games there does seem to be a bit of a, a wobble in him when it comes down to that my my feeling with this that I think there's two problems here that you can't totally see and, and we I guess maybe we'll, we'll see and people will become more aligned to it is the sort of um, emotional turmoil of not being the guy mm-hmm. like I think if you're flipping it every single week mm-hmm. it's kind of like I don't know like it's just like having two girlfriends <laughs> like, and they know about it yeah it's not gonna be happy surely. and also like for example say one plays that's never happened to me by the way darling <laughs> likewise <laughs> <laughs> But like, if you goalkeeper's a position where you need your goalkeeper to be calm, I, I'm tired of an outfield player. They've got something to prove for coming off the bench. They want to play midweek and go and win the game and go and attack it. You want your goalkeeper to be the opposite of that. You want them to be calm and cerebral. And if Ramsdale comes in in a midweek game, he feels like he has to show something. That may lead to more errors. You don't want your goalkeeper trying to go out and prove anything. You want them to be like, almost anonymous in the game yeah. and just do their job. So that could be a problem in terms of rotating. But this will be interesting for Arteta because I feel like Arteta had a strategy. Ramsdale was just chosen to be team of the PFA team of the season. Raya rejected a Spurs deal of like 400, was it 40, 45 million? And they promised him first team football. He said, no, I'd rather go to Arsenal. Well, I think Spurs didn't want to pay the amount that they the totally amount. wanted. Okay. Yeah, so I think that was, the, that was the thing as much as anything, to be cool. honest. Cool. So now Ateta must have said something to Raya, said, listen, I promise you first team football. You've got Ramsdale. He was the starter, PFA team of the season. Also expecting first team football, so I'm very interested to see what Ted is going to do because his press. Um, there was a lot of discourse on Twitter after what he said after the game, where the report asked him, "What about your number one goalkeeper?" He just taint, changed the coaching completely. Just, yeah. flip, just flipped on Vieira. Well, Vieira is one of the things. <laughs> yeah. It's a completely different answer, <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what he's going to do because I feel like he needs to come out and, and make it publicly. This person is my number one goalkeeper because you're right. That that's the thing in. In theory, it makes sense, right? 
but it's sort of like horses for courses kind of idea. But the media will not let this go. No, no way. Like that, and so that will rumble on. So you're better off kind of making that that final decision. The other thing, in terms of how much difference you can offer from a goalkeeper substitution. Could there be a ripple effect in time? Because initially for me, it feels like now we're still at this, uh, not crossroads, but this phasing out of the goalies who can kick and who are brilliant on the ball and those that can't, right? I think we're generally at a point where most goalkeepers are pretty competent in mm-hmm. terms of those passes, right? Because they have to be, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the next stage of this. And we're seeing this say like with Anana, like very comfortable on the ball, Edison comfortable on the ball. It, within the next five years, will we see our first dribbly goalkeeper? A goalkeeper that will come, bait the opposition, look to knock it past them because in a one-on-one situation, they think that they could be okay. That's coming. Um, I think there's there's the seedlings of that at Brighton with the, uh, with the Zerbi ball and you see Steele bring on bring on the, the attackers and then play a ball very, very high risk. And I think you're going to see the evolution of keepers that are watching these, play, these keepers play and maybe take it to the next level where they are taking on the man. High risk, high reward. Yeah, because like physically, you're, if you think of what a winger often is, a, a winger is often 5'8 to 5'10", slight you know yeah. obviously fast twitch fibers so they can get past players but whatever right for a goalkeeper that's not really going to work you're gonna have to be a bit more of a, like a you know like a jude bellingham who's just got that long stride and that that's enough to kind of keep you out of trouble but there's mm. also going to be some like horrific goals given mm. away where you're going to look really stupid as well if that was to occur mm-hmm. but i mean because say like nick pope being utilized because the other team have got eight players at six foot five mm-hmm. i get it but like in time that the sort of the, the passing element of it is not going to be there. So it would have to move on. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I said that last season, I think uh, Newcastle, if they want to take it to another level, Nick Pope can't be the starting goalkeeper. Uh, you know, I, sadly, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't. I think he, when I've seen him in big games, I, I don't see that calmness. I no. just don't see yeah. it. And I think he's a great goalkeeper. And we'll see over this Champions League period because they've got big games to play. Do you know who can be a starting goalkeeper? Aaron Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale can be the starting goalkeeper for Newcastle. And I don't see why that can't happen within the next season or so because he would be perfect there. Um, I think Aaron Ramsdale's a really, really good keeper. I just rate David Breyer so highly. I think he can ascend to one of the top keepers in the world. Yeah. And Ramsdale's still a top, top Premier League keeper. It's still crazy that you said that he can he can, he can, can be within the Edison Edison uh, that discussion. That's crazy. You don't think so? Uh, come on, man. <laughs> no? <laughs> come on, man. That's levels to it, man. Yeah. I think uh, with Arsenal, though, he, it's one of those where we had this with... <laughs> We had this with QPR, right? We had Rob Green, like, you know, England goalkeeper, great goalkeeper for us to, you know, as a Premier League team, right? And then Julio Cesar just came up for sale. Yeah. And they were like, well, I can't not, <laughs> not take I can't it. Not take yeah, it. Yeah. So I think that's what's happened here. They've, uh, they can't, they were okay. And then they've kind of made the call. I this forgot is Julio Cesar paid for your boys. That is a crazy <laughs> time in QPR history. That was a season or season after he won the treble with Inter. A season. I think it was before. I think he was a treble. Yeah, yeah he won the treble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mike and Mike and Let's talk about that season. <laughs> hey, welcome to IKEA, where even this desk is circular. Huh. How so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your IKEA items for store credit. 
or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. Pep Egiola, or Egiola maybe. Uh, ripple effect of Carvajal being the only right back. Or please just mention Carvajal. Oh. <laughs> so let's talk about Real Madrid at the moment. This is your team. Mm-hmm. We have um, we did a podcast last week. It is on its way. So another reason to, to follow is that we will be putting a video out about Jude Bellingham, about the diamond formation and Ancelotti as well. And another element as well, which is really important, but I'm not going to tell you right now. When that video drops, there will be a bonus podcast accompanying it that will drop at the same time. Nice. So again, be ready because it could drop at any time. How are you feeling about Real Madrid? And Carvajal. Why, why am I having to ask you about Carvajal? Because uh, they, they know what my thoughts of Carvajal is. Uh, for Madrid specifically, five games, five wins, looks positive. With Jude Bellingham moving like in, uh, the player that he's exceeded expectations completely. It's still not a good sign to have our eight or our slash ten is the one carrying the Madrid team. And the formation is not working out, in my opinion. Uh, the injuries is not helping either. People, the Jude Bellingham goals are brainwashing the Madrid fans. They think everything is butterflies, everything is summer, it's nice, five <laughs> wins. It's yeah. not really that. Because if you actually look at our game specifically, it's not been effective. It's not been convincing wins. It's just been two games now we've had to come back from behind against Getafe in the last game against Dad. Two wins, one notes. Yeah. Was it? I mean, does it just take time? Or do you just don't believe in a diamond? I don't believe in a I don't believe in a diamond where we've got our main two strikers now Joselu, but Vinny's going to be back Joselu and Rodrigo because the diamond this diamond formation is impacted and made Jude Benning the player he is now but it's limited and and literally downgrading Vinicius' impact because right. Vinicius he's not a striker I understand why you're doing it because we ha- we don't have any strikers and we've got a lot of midfielders we've got six seven starting midfielders. Everyone can start for your team, your team, specifically your oh, team. Shots fired. Why is that? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. They can all start with the right thing. No, for most, for most our, our midfielders are way too good. Uh, we don't have attackers and that's that's our problem. And the Mbappe, the Mbappe situation have really, really, really impacted this this team. I don't think in, the, in terms of the Champions League, me, me specifically, of course, we'll be talking about the Champions League, but one, I don't think we're going to win it. I don't think we'll be there, nowhere there. Uh, this time of formation, let's see what happens. Jude is very, is, is doing exceptional things, but back to so to Carvajal is because for me the, with the diamond, I I get it and I see it and I think the thing with the diamond formation is it takes a little bit of time to like truly embed because and that's why not everyone does it. Right, but it depends on the profile as well of yeah. of yeah. Of, uh, of the strikers. We did it very effectively in the sixteen seventeen season where uh, Zidane had the balls to drop Bell and start Isco as a ten. But at that time, you had Ronaldo and you had Karim Benzema. Now you've got Vinicius and Rodrigo. Two complete different profiles. Vinicius is limiting himself as a striker. That's why even Rodrigo, Rodrigo the past two games, the reason why we had to come from behind and win against Getafe and Sergio Dad, it's not because Rodrigo was a striker. The second half, he started drifting on the left-hand side. And we changed the formation in-game. People are not talking about that. We start with a diamond. It's not working out. We then change to 4 3 3 Vinish, uh, Rodrigo and then Fede that's where we come back can I ask a question I was going to say and you maybe answered it there 
where does the width come from? Because Frank Garcia is okay. Um, Carvajal's getting on. And so, yeah, where does the width come from for this Real Madrid team? Do you see centre midfielders like drifting out wide or do you just switch in game we're, all the we're time? Dr- we're drifting out wide and now Jude Bellingham is now more of a shadow striker next yeah. to Caselu just to provide that second balls. Uh, it's like a Gondogan from City last season, that late run into the final third, but we mm. need width. Yeah. Real Madrid without width, it's not Real Madrid. So, that I mean, that's... That's what I think when, when it comes to... It's the, well, it's two things. Those two strikers are kind of essentially kind of can be wide strikers at times, if you know what I mean. That's the idea behind them to utilise their dribbling ability. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that should provide that width is obviously is Carvajal and his friend Garcia. It's all about those fullbacks. So as an, as an overall weakness, those are the two glaring problems here. Uh, not necessarily Fran Garcia because I I was very high on Fran Garcia Rayo Vallecano if you guys don't know he was second in the most progressive runs in the final third uh, of a player of 23 years and and, and below Mm. I'm very high he made two assists against against Sergio Dad made two assists Uh, he did struggle struggle in the first half though he was getting run ragged in the first half but then again it's his first season Kubo is an exceptional uh, player it's like come on Kubo okay fair enough enough, you're going up up against Kubo someone who's won four men of the match all but, but yeah, I think cool. the point that Quick is making is kind of the point I'm making is if you want to win the Champions League, which is what Real Madrid want to do, those two are not the two. Of course not. Cavajal wasn't... We're, we're heading into 2024 and Danny Cavajal <laughs> so, right, is starting right. This is what I've been trying to get, bro. <laughs> yes, go on. We're, we're, this is what Let's I don't understand. Run. This uh, Perez has damaged this team. And Perez's obsession of, of killing Mbappe has really impacted this team for the past two seasons. We won the Champions League. We won the La Liga last season. Everyone knew Karim Benzema was 50% hit, but you're still not signing a striker. Because your aim and vision is on, on killing Mbappe. He's got a fetish with killing Mbappe. It's, it's, it's honestly a fetish. So, I mean, many do. So, so uh, Heinz says, oh, PLH Heinz says, uh, Real Madrid's squad is thinner than a wet paper towel and won't be able to get far in the Champions League. We'll talk about that. Later on, let's go back later on. One thing that me, me and Kai were chatting about, I I get this compulsions to message Kai, and I, I go, this player, why is this player not gone to this team or where is? And sometimes it's random, sometimes it's weird. How good would Andy, Andy Robertson be at Real Madrid? I think he'd kill it. Do you reckon? Yeah, in yeah. the diamond, in the diamond, in diamond formation. If you yes. Could have, if you could have right footed Andy Robertson. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. It, right? yeah, yeah, but like, I think even on the left hand side, I get Frank Garcia's like exciting, young, all those things. But again, if you're going, if you're looking to go, bosh, mm. we are the best. Mm. Someone like Andy, Andy Robertson, who in the summer people were going, oh well, we're going to kind of play this new way, and we all thought they kind of weren't. Maybe they still will at times. And you know, we we've just done a video talking about how many different options Liverpool have, so maybe they don't need to do that. But I think the squad is thin, and you're right when it comes to Perez but if you get two really good fullbacks for me who can bomb up and down and provide that width I think you've then got a really good team but but is is, is Ancelotti here beyond next season I know no, you, I've, I've, I've heard I've heard you talk about Ancelotti and I just want you to say it because you're talking about oh the diamond doesn't work and this isn't working you ain't having Ancelotti anymore you're it's not a, having him anymore it starts with Ancelotti <laughs> it really starts uh, I don't think Carlo Ancelotti is a uh, how can I say this in the most nicest? And <laughs> wow, are you turning on Ancelotti? I've always, I've he's never, not, not I've him. never been you an never Ancelotti. Him. Even when he won the Champions League and La Liga, I still wanted him out. <laughs> he's <laughs> my goat. Let me. <laughs> he's your goat. Yeah, you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carlo, Carlo Ancelotti. The reason why we won the Champions League to start off with it was re, it was down to individual brilliance. 
um, down to Cotois, down to Karim Benzema, who had a Ballon d'Or season, and down to Vinicius Junior. Carlo Ancelotti, over the past two, three seasons, is not a tactical, competent manager. But, okay, but isn't, and we've got a whole podcast <laughs> talking about the complete opposite angle on this. That's coming out soon. But isn't that the point of Ancelotti? Is that he allows players to be players? I'm happy with that. But now we need you to actually tactically be ready. We, we don't have the individual brilliance. That, that can happen. The thing is, I, I hear it. Zidane was like that as well uh, when, when we won the free peat. Yeah. The freedom, let the players do. But at that time, come on, now look at our team. Ronaldo, Bale, Isco, Ramos. This, now we don't have those players. We've got, we've got an aging Modric. We've got Cruz who's still there. We've got a young midfield. They You're need, a sick midfield though. But if you think about a young midfield, Chimeni, Camavinga, yes, they're very elite, good midfielders. But, but they, what's, how's that on Angelotti? I don't understand what... Well, how is on Chelsea where now we've got injuries? Militao is injured, Kitiba's injured, Vinicius injured. All right, now tactically put the right team forward. A diamond <laughs> formation against Sociedad and Getafe at home, it's not the no, right not team forward. Work. As Coach Cam would say, please coach. Please coach, <laughs> Because I, And I kind of agree, it's weird. So, yeah, who are you with? I, I, I love Ancelotti. It's weird that three of us on this table, Ancelotti's managed three of our clubs. Yeah, <laughs> three just wait, just wait patiently. <laughs> wait patiently. <laughs> Gareth to lose a couple more. Um, but I I am slightly with you, Faisal. I think Ancelotti is a great manager, maybe not proactive enough in the modern game. When you've got a team full of superstars that know how to get the job done, it, it works and he's a bit more laser fair. He can sit back and kind of let them do their thing. But when you've got a team of young players that need to be moulded and you haven't got the personnel there necessarily, you might have to be a bit more proactive in your approach. And maybe he's trusted at the diamond formation. It's not 2010 no more. He did a diamond formation in Chelsea 0910. We, ha- we had a Nelka and Drogba up top. We had a midfield of, of Lampard, of Deco, Essien. We had incredible players. This is a very, very different age of football is a very very different league as well and I can understand why Real Madrid fans are slightly frustrated and slightly concerned because like you say they've won all their games but if you look at it they've not been convinced he doesn't um, he, he doesn't do his scouting report uh, I, can, <laughs> I, I, I can honestly say that with full full honestly I, I, I don't think he does a scouting report I, I feel like in 2023 I can do I, I, I actually can, can research this Madrid team better and the opponent than, than, than Carlo Ancelotti. Because last season against Man City, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this honestly. Yeah, yeah. Last... Does that make you a better manager? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure it does. So I, I, I totally understand everything you're saying and it's all logical. But Ancelotti has consistently been at top clubs and done well with them. So why, with, with huge egos. Why has he only won five league titles in, t- in over 25 years of management then? Why has, he won, why has he won a hell of a lot of Champions Leagues as well? And why does he keep getting employed by all these teams? What do you rather win? Would you rather win the league or Champions League? No, no, because people, they, they, they love pointing out his Champions League record, but they always like to disregard his league track record where he's only won so five. Are you saying he's been a failure at Real Madrid then? Huh? What are you saying? What I'm saying is... <laughs> He's, he's, a, he's a great so manager. Nice. <laughs> no, 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 falling out. <laughs> but I'm just, I mean, there's, I, if it there's like a dash of a lack, if that even makes sense, of respect for him. I, I, no, no, I respect what he's Because they're two players away from him. If, if, if you, we have two phrases here. I'll say mine, you say yours. If you're not fit, you're not it, right? And yours is, the best ability is? Availability. Availability, right? So with Real Madrid and the squad that's there and in context like the world we're in now these days when it comes to certain players and who you're trying to bring in how you're trying to bring bring them in all that stuff he's kind of being let down by the squad a little bit and he's not got regardless of any formation that you play 
and he's played a different one for the last two years. The fullbacks have not been it I to agree. the point where you played Camavinga left back, and because he's such a wonderful player, he can get away with it and be mm-hmm. brilliant there, right? Even at his age. Mm-hmm. So, I think what he's doing with the diamond is going. Where are our best players? No, I agree. Let's I, I let's give them the that. opportunity to I, to be their best. I agree. I, I, it's not just on Carlo Ancelotti. It's mainly I, I would say sixty percent of this is all on Florentino Perez for not giving the resources. The fullbacks last season, the strikers, anything. But I still put on Carlo Ancelotti because let's say last season, for, for, like for example, we go against Man City at Etihad. We all know. That, that game, yeah. We all know we needed a six. And if you do the research, twelve months before we went to we went to Etihad, we won the Champions League. We lost four three. We had no Casemiro. We were suspended. We needed a six. What do you do, Carlo Ancelotti? He plays Tony Cruz as a, as a deep line midfielder. 12 months after, against Man City, he still plays Tony Cruz, even though at that time we had Chimeni available, healthy, at the bench. Why <laughs> do you commit the same mistakes? That's my problem with Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. yeah no, and, and, and it's difficult because I think we admire far um, a lot of football fans in this country what Carlo Ancelotti does. But obviously, if somebody's a Real Madrid fan who's watching them week in, week out, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, see the nuances yeah. and you see what's going on in the club and I can't understand the frustration. Also... Perez has to take a lot of the a lot oh, of the flag easy, though because easy. this is not think about it. Danny Carvajal, who we started off by talking about, he <laughs> broke into the the Real Madrid starting eleven in the 13-14 season. That was the death in my no. Correct. We are in twenty twenty three right now, and yeah. Danny Carvajal is still starting the right back I, Real Madrid. It's I think there's enough. always going to be a difficulty with uh, a manager when he's your manager when he's laissez faire. When a manager is laissez faire. The put, what makes them brilliant is kind of staying out the way, which sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. but there is a brilliance to it. I agree, and I think that's the thing with him. That, and the other thing that I we haven't spoken about this. Kai, sorry, I talked to Kai about everything. When he was <laughs> I wonder, as, as much as it's the personnel there, is there something with the idea of Man City that a diamond up against Man City? Because the way that he played against Man City last time, they got absolutely pumped. And I wonder if there's this, the tiniest element of it. I don't think it's the main reason. I wonder if there's a tiny element of it that a diamond formation where you've got players kind of congested in that central area could give you a better chance against Man City who have two wingers. Because if, if it comes to that point where really with a lot of these Champions League teams, they should be navigating their way to quarterfinals, semifinals, yeah. right? Yeah. So if Real Madrid meet Man City again... Do they th- feel like a real embedded diamond formation with everyone fit against a team that has wingers that like to cut inside, both of them? Is that going to lend to a better opportunity of beating Man City than than a previous system or, or, or matching them up? You could think of it like that, but then again, you could think... Pep one step ahead again because he's got Jeremy Doku who can go yeah, to the yeah, right exactly. line and he's on the right line. He, he'd stick Doku on the right rather than yeah. the left hand side and just attack him from out wide. Well, that's it, and, and that's that's where I got to as well. And I think that is the thing. So what's the date? It's the nineteenth of September. So when Real Madrid play Man City, <laughs> please at me. Right, we called it first. Doku <laughs> will be playing on the opposite side. Yeah, That's what's going to happen. Because yeah, he'll just go. He'll go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make your way around. Mm. Uh, let's move on. Do uh, Abdi Salman says uh, talk about Pogba and whether he can come back. So who can benefit from Pogba's failed drug t- drug test? Pogba is now serving a ban for a failed drug test in which testosterone was found in his system after Juventus' match against Udinese last month. He was on the bench, didn't even play, but he was randomly chosen. Um, it was apparently through food supplements. 
the ripple effect is and sorry and also Pogba has admitted to that the ripple effect of this could be Juventus seeing it as a fair opportunity to terminate his contract at the club without wrongfully dismissing him and also maybe avoiding any payouts he'd be due Juventus would profit from this in terms of freeing up wages 170k a week which means that they can continue to rebuild although Pogba had been having chats with them about changing the contract and uh, using that beautiful word amortization to to sort of work around it because of the difficult season he had last year. I think he only played 10 games. But there could be some clubs who could still want Pogba, but who? With his value dropping through the floor, could we see him at a lower half Premier League team after his ban ends? Anyone in particular, Kai? Ross Barkley and Pogba in the middle for Luton. Oh, look! <laughs> wow, I thought that might be an Everton sort of um, scout there next to Anana uh, and just a game, maybe. But yeah, I'm not sure that would be the right way of uh, moving. Uh, probably not uh, because the ban could potentially last four years, meaning he'd be 34 mm. by the time it finishes. So simple question, what is next for Pogba? I just want to say free La Pioch, free Pogba. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's honestly one of my favourite footballers. I, I've watched the sport for a long, long time and I've never made... A player hasn't made me so happy watching him. I feel like there is so much bag of bag of potential, bag of ability, bag of talent in his game, and he hasn't been fulfilled. I blame a certain club for that, uh, Man 100%. United. I blame Man United. It's just wrong. It, it, it goes back to our the earlier the earlier word, the favorite word, context. Pogba's career is all about context, and Man United should have never been that club for him. Or it could have been that club if they had the right pieces next to him, the right manager. Clear and vision. Cl- exactly, <laughs> clear vision. We've, we we saw what Pogba is, but the thing is now, I'm very, very upset that now Pogba's career is going to be like a what-if player. It's going to be, oh, streets never forget. And that shouldn't be Paul Pogba. Right. I completely agree. And I think another word is misprofiled. Paul Pogba's been misprofiled for his career. Correct. And he went to Manchester United and... That, that's why I love Jude Bellingham. Football's not only about how you perform on it, it's about how you navigate off of it. Paul Pogba should have never gone to Manchester United. If Paul Pogba goes to Real Madrid, his career is viewed very, very, very differently. He's gone to Manchester United under Jose Mourinho. It's, that was just never going to work. That was just mm. never going to work. Whereas Jude Bellingham's picked Real Madrid, he's away from the British media scrutiny. He, if, if Jude Bellingham has a poor game against Catafé, no one over here knows about it. We only mm. see the highlights of him making assists yeah. and scoring goals. Whereas Paul Pogba comes to England, he's... People don't like the fact that he's got flamboyant haircuts. People don't like his personality. Graham Sunes has got blood on his hands, by the way, because the way that he talks about Paul Pogba, a player who was generational and, and made me feel Hang something. Oh, slow down. He's not generational. Generational talent. Generational talent, for he's, sure. He's, he's like, I, I look at the players that followed Messi and Ronaldo. I look at Neymar, I look at Paul Pogba, I look at Ian Hazard. Players that made you feel something and had generational talent. And there's always, there's what is with all of those players. It's like, what if this happened or what if that happened? And I feel Pogba's he balled out a World Cup. When they went out of the Euros, if you remember Paul Pogba's performance in that game, if they win that game, if they win that penalty shootout, people are talking about the Paul Pogba game. Yeah, yeah. He's been so unfortunate. And I, I heard, um, who did I see here talk about? I can't remember. But somebody talking about it um, in terms of like the ball falling for certain players. Yeah. The ball just doesn't fall for Paul Pogba. So, what, he, was, so there's, no, there's going to be no accountability for him at all? You can I, like I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying here. But what I'm a step I'm a step down on it a little bit. Really? Because I th- yeah, because I think I think you're right with Man United, for example. It's what it highlights. I think is how players have to really take into consideration bizarrely the recruitment of their team for the three years after they sign. One hundred percent. And that's what that's what destroyed him, right? As much as anything else, because he didn't have 
the correct bodies around him. Now, that's difficult in itself because you're just one player who should mm-hmm. be totally focusing on themselves. If you want to lean on other people, who are those other people that you lean on to discuss, okay, what is your strategy with Man United? You go, oh, we're bringing in this guy Schneidel in. Well, hang on. Uh-huh. <laughs> this isn't, I'm not sure this, this is the guy for us. Yeah. Um, but... And and with with France, look, he he had he sort of had good times and bad times, right? And and people would always focus about France and and that being the place where he could get, you know, the best out of himself. What but he, but he was being able to play with wonderful, wonderful players. Mm-hmm. There's loads of players that have played in average teams and have been able to utilize their talent, but also drag teams a little bit as well. And Paul Pogba. Was for whatever reason was put into some of those scenarios, and with the talent that he has, there was a hope that he could provide that at times. And more often than not, he hasn't. I can't remember if it was seventeen, eighteen, or eighteen, nineteen season. But Paul Pogba had a season where he dragged Manchester United. Yeah. If you look at Manchester United's recruitment, who who have they signed? Barring Bruno Fernandes, dragged them where though? Second, second. They were, they, which which is was... the best you can hope for in the league that contains Manchester City. And well, was... and that was just solely Pogba. It wasn't solely. It wasn't solely Pogba. No, it wasn't solely Pogba. Do you know what I'm thinking? The name I keep coming back to is like um, it's like so. Let's say like a Gerard or a Lampard, right? I knew I knew you were gonna say Gerard. Because yeah, because because I think he's a player who's stuck with players that were crap. Yeah, and when or or, and I see it in Bellingham now as well. Like both off the pitch, I I agree. I think he's an incredibly mature guy. Yeah, Um, and maybe a bit more boring than Pogba. Like Pogba, like wants to have a life, which is absolutely fine. But I think that. You have to. I think with a lot of things, you have to go. Okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of um, say vitriol or hate or subconscious racism at times. All sorts of stuff being thrown at them. So and Pogba in particular. And so you have to like look at that and, and take that in. But I would suggest that he could have had elements of more. He could have had a lot more luck. Could have had a lot more luck, especially in domestic football. But I think he could. I, I think he could have done a little bit. Well, so what would you expect Manchester United to do in that era, in that era? He finished what, second how many times? Twice. Second, twice. It like, was what, team, what? team of the season. In his first season with United, he won the treble. <laughs> with United, and then uh, he won the treble. Well, you, the, the community <laughs> shield, Europa League. Sorry, wow. I think it's... Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying. I'm not putting him in this box of he's rubbish. Yeah. I'm not like go back and watch my videos of the of that uh, the Euros in 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't keep my eyes off him. Uh, he was f- wonderful. Walk kind of walking through a game, but the vision, the technique, mm, the mm. passing. I get it. It's all there. But I also think when you're adding everything up, mm. there's there's elements here where. And also maybe you can chuck in injuries as a problem with that as well because that that plays a part no, I, in this. I do agree with you. I feel like it, I, I feel like it's a balance of both. I feel like could he have done more for United? Yes, he could have. But at the same time, the, the, the unfortunate situation he was put into a place where I don't think that's much more he could have done. In, injuries yeah. didn't help. Yeah. Do you know what I think is fair to him as well is that you've got a Man City team and a Liverpool team at that time that are both functionally Ooh, individually better. much better system systemally yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll... systematically there we go brilliant yeah and so maybe as i reflect on it i think for me at times there, there's games where i'm going come on paul yeah like you be the guy i wanted him to be the guy but he, he seemed maybe it's like just the the misprofiling or the defensive side of the game where he's not got that but that felt like it was that scruff of the neck ability I wanted him to have. I didn't feel like he 
has I don't feel like I've seen that enough. He well, they played him what left wing number number ten number six like Ollie, number eight. Yeah. They they played him everywhere. And the one criticism I do have Paul, for Paul Pogba is what I said at the beginning. It was like off the pitch stuff. So every time the France went in the international break, Mina Rayo was saying something. And that doesn't help Again, over here where, the, right, where, where right. the media is just constantly on you. That doesn't so help. Much noise, and the right. way like he just didn't need to go to Manchester United. And football is about that. If you look at the way that Erlen Haaland moves and you look at the way that people talk about the clauses in his contract, Erlen Haaland's team are probably in constant dialogue with Guardiola. When are you leaving? What's this? What's that? I don't think Paul Pogba put those things in place. And if yeah. you don't have those things in place as a top player, Messi Ronaldo always had those things in place that's why they were top players they were always yeah. ahead of the curve and I think Paul Pogba was always behind the curve and he suffered for that I think the disagreement here is the sort of is the it's not that he's not brilliant it's the placing of him Yeah. yeah. Like, and so maybe this is another podcast another week where top 20 players of the last 15 years where he would sit I reckon he sits higher for you guys than he does for me uh, if you we'll talk about this, but I wouldn't. If you record that podcast, I want to be on that. Podcast. <laughs> Mate, I want you there. Mate, I guarantee. Uh, that's it. There's the ripple effect of the ripple effect. Right um, where? Yeah. What do you like? Say, say he has that kind of four year, uh, you know, ban. It's what's it? America think, is it? I don't think it's going to be a four year ban. I think um, I, I think it will be, in my opinion, upheld because because uh, I've read about I read about the doping situation that that, that he took. It's one of the most accidental doping that people take in in in, um, in Italy, and Italy is known for a country. I know you sent a list out of players that's been that's done doping. That, that the the Maradona's Canavaro was one of them. Um, he did doping, but he did it. It was always this accidental doping, Pep. and I f- and I, yeah, um, and I feel like uh, this ex- this um, doping that Pogba took. Come on, yeah. So it was a doctor in Miami, from what I remember, um, gave him this food supplement that was supposed to give you. I think it was supposed to give you an element of testosterone to help with your like recovery or healing or whatever it may be. And so, but he didn't, he claims that he didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. I think the problem you've got here is that you, regardless of the sort of sympathy around it, you have to be hard on these things. And mm-hmm. so, again, he might have that horrible misfortune that, yeah, you, you like, I believe that you didn't do it. Or like, say, Rio back in the day, like, yeah. it was absurd like he just yeah. missed one by mistake. He didn't do anything. Yeah. But they felt that regardless to uphold, because yeah, if one yeah, person's yeah. giving an excuse, oh, I haven't done my homework because blah, blah, blah. Yeah, then you, it just, do you know what I mean? It can spiral a little bit. It makes me feel sad as well because before that whole thing came out, he did an interview just before where he was talking about the wealth he's accumulated and the whole personal yeah. issues that he's had. And it's just, it, it's a really sad situation with Paul Pogba in terms of how his career has developed because when he came from Juventus, I remember watching comps, relentless comps on Paul Pogba, just like, this guy is everything. He had the blonde hair, he had the, the cool celebrations, he had, he was playing obviously in an incredible midfield at Juventus, so obviously with Vidal, Marquise and all that, man. But like, he was an incredible player. And the fact that he's, now ended up like this, and this is another story and narrative surrounding. And twelve Pogba. months before, he had this his whole situation with his brother. Yeah, uh, the, the kidnapping X, Y, and Z. I feel like it's just it's just bad after bad after bad. Very happening. difficult, man. But I think like weirdly, like it genuinely, genuinely. Sorry, I can't speak to that. Generally, his his outlook has retained that positivity, which I think is something to certainly commend yeah. him on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Did Game Week 5 push us closer to any managerial sackings? So Man United are currently 13th. This is before the Bayern Munich game as well, because anything could happen there. Um, six points. Chelsea, Kweku, currently in 14th. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Five points. Sheffield United, Burnley, Everton... And Luton, all without wins. None of these sides uh, won over the weekend, uh, with some offering up some pretty embarrassing performances. Uh, Man United, Chelsea and Everton putting extra pressure on the clubs and the managers. So who will be the first to knee-jerk? And is Chris Wilder on his way back to Sheffield United? Is it inevitable? Um, yeah, one week on, I think we, we, we're going to keep sort of sensing the, uh, checking the temperature on all of this. <laughs> Maybe it's um, Man United and Chelsea. Let's touch on those, because I think What's more likely is it is the Sheffield Uniteds. It is. Luton's, yeah. Is I think Luton are absolutely fine. By the way, like as in Rob Edwards is not. Oh, I don't yeah. think there's any real pressure on him all at right, all. Yeah. Kai, Everton, Dyche, are you concerned for him? So how it feels with Everton at the minute is so we've got Sheffield United, Burnley, and Luton down there with us. It kind of feels like you know when you haven't done your homework and you go into school, but it's okay. Nobody else has done it either at the minute. <laughs> but once other the people start to do their homework, that's when I'm, I'm going to start to sweat. Right. Okay. But Deitch's favourite to be sacked is at the he? minute. At first. I mean, it's like every year, isn't it? It's October, right? Normally, that yeah, you know, to manager goes. That's you know, it's a international break. Just a set, just lovely, sixty thousand views every year. It's just really, <laughs> I, really helpful. I, 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 do, I do think though, down at the bottom, Sheffield United historically, not just this. Uh, They've, they've been pretty proactive and, and Heckenbottom's kind of meltdown in regards to officials was concerning. I was like, I watched I watched it back. I was like, I, I didn't okay, see go too much there. And I I get what you're saying generally. The officiating in this country is terrible. And they've been unlucky. Sheffield, what, against Nottingham Forest away, last minute goal. Um, against Man City, last minute goal conceded. Against Spurs, two last minute goals. They've been unlucky. But Sheffield United are pretty proactive, both in the transfer window and with their managers. And I would not be surprised to see them make a change if it doesn't. they don't start getting results and wins. I don't think Hecking Bottoms was a meltdown. I thought he quite calmly disagreed with like the situation that's going but on. But what was he pointing to, to, though? What was he talking about? He was suggesting that... So what's occurred now? So uh, I went to QPR the weekend. We were killing it. 1-0 <laughs> up against Sunderland, who've got an unbelievable team and squad. Yeah. And then uh, we had someone sent off after like 21 minutes, right? So you're then just like defending for your life. Now, last year, we would have taken a long time over goal kicks or absolutely anything else. But now, literally within the first sort of second time, even if it was a sort of it was gentle instead of clear time wasting, the opposition have that kind of freedom to go. Come on, come on, come on, do something, do something, do something, yeah. and they've been directed to do something, do something, mm, do something. Yeah. So I thought what Heckenbottom was saying is that they obviously had a plan to uh, either if they're going to press up high, then we're probably going to go long. If they're going to go long, then we'll we'll play it short. 
And so they have to wait to see what's going to happen from the opposition mm. before they make the pass. Otherwise, it's like, in his mind, in the, with the nuance of a game football, it's suicide. No, and I, I agree. Holistically, if he's talking about it as an overall issue, he's got an absolutely fair point. It's two favours in the, in the favour of big teams. You, what, you've given Spurs another 14 minutes to score a, uh, score a couple of goals. Mate, it's not, and, they, and what, they can make five substitutes as well. In the world of like five substitutes, where these big teams can make so many changes, change a game, if you're too much Sheffield United, the only hope you've got is by engaging in dark arts, engaging in time waste, engaging in, in like the things that referees used to let go. Mm-hmm. And if you're adding 14 minutes to, to a game, of course Spurs are going to score at home with the fans behind him. I get his overall point, but if you're if you're just talking about that game in general, I don't really think it was justified in terms of how much he went on about the referee. Well, it's been told, it's been told heading, uh, during the World Cup that this is going to be a new new way of 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 of, of, of officiating. Yeah, I I, I kind of hear it. I, I I agree with it. If you're wasting time, why why? Because the big team is going to be suffer, um, suffered by that. Yeah, but the big teams have so much advantage. Like football's so. I'm I'm a fan of a big team. So tailored towards the big teams. And how many times do you see a big team score in the last minute? If you're adding now, when a team scores in the 80th minute, that's no longer a late goal. If you're adding like 10 minutes to a game, mm. the big teams are just going to be favoured. And like I say, with all the changes you can make, five substitutes, which again I don't agree with, it's just going to lend itself to the big teams consistently winning. You've seen it this season. Look at how many big teams are unbeaten in the Premier League. Liverpool have had a poor start to the season are still unbeaten Spurs are unbeaten Arsenal unbeaten Man City have won every single game I think you're going to see and obviously Chelsea may not they're a, a joke but like you're going to see more big teams just winning games because they've got more time to win games I, I think there is something in that I I think the sort of the certainly the highest level the sort of stop clock of it yeah. just seems obvious to me so yeah. say, same scenario take as long as you want to get set Yeah. when you kick the ball we go boom yeah. and, the, and the game carries on that's the, when it comes to this hecking bombs thing I think from the ripple effect that I saw from that game where we've got, you know, we've got 10 men for, was it 60, 70 minutes? I mean, by the, by the end, I was I, t- I turned to my dad. I was like, this game's gone on forever. Yeah, and it's, I it's... think the the team, if a team loses a, a, a player in the first half of a game, of a game really, there's, there's absolutely no excuse. Like, the, we sort of held on and held on and held on. But honestly, the last 10 minutes of the game... It was 3-1. They weren't really bothered about scoring another goal. We were spent. And it just sort of... Honestly, it looked like a bit of a like... You know, yeah. like five aside where you've been playing for an hour and a half. Right? <laughs> and it's just like... Last goal wins. Yeah, yeah. Should we just do three yeah. now? Yeah. yeah, it was kind of like that. So I think that will be a big thing. Is like the, the games are just going on for Too so long. long now. It's, it's just it's just money now. Yeah. They're, they're heading into the, that Champions League. And this is the final year of the Champions League where next year is going to be changed into this now... Knockout, yeah, knockout. Yeah. It's just money now. Money's yeah, it totally is. And if I, well, and I understand. I mean, I understand the desire for the fairness here, but like all these things, it then leads to other stuff as well. Taking the you taking the human aspect out of football. Back in the day, if the team was four 0 up, even if there had been a ten minute stoppage in the second half, the referee's get just four, like, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. add three minutes and yeah. get a call it a day. Let's get, <laughs> yeah. Let's get yeah. them off. And sure, again, another ripple effect will be games will have to begin earlier. They yeah. will have to. Like mm-hmm. we we had a guy right. We have a guy who. Over the years, anyone who's listened to watch my content, they will know that there's this guy that I can't stand because he leaves early, right? But I can't look to him and went, fair enough this time, <laughs> to a point, right? But he left. He left on the 78th minute, right? Now, that's quite bad. He's done worse. But 78th <laughs> minute, right? But it's not the 78th minute. Because no. it was 10 minutes after that. So actually, he'd left on the 68th minute, <laughs> yeah. right? Just... Because 
And um, for evening games in particular, if that's all occurring, like loads and loads and loads of fans will have to go. Like we've got another lad who watched the game with me. He has to leave because he has to get the last train because he needs to get to Northampton. Yeah. So like it's going to be... It, that's something that's going to be a bit of a problem. So I think games will have to start a little bit earlier. I've got a story about this. Go I'm due to go to Armenia in November to watch Wales. And a flight was going well, going to Milan after Armenia. It's the only way home. But it was the day after the match. A flight's now been changed to the day of the match. Game kicks off at five. Should finish at just before seven. Flight's at ten. Right. <laughs> Any added time, I'm, I'm not making that flight. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's the only flight. That's it. Back that, this way. So they need to wiggle it around because, like, these games are getting so long, man. Yeah. Like, and people just don't need it. In terms of uh, time wasting, have Arsenal just discovered the new shit housing method? Arsenal beat Everton 1 0 over the weekend, but the goal they scored is questionable for one reason. It comes from a corner, but from the time Saka sets the ball down, it actually took Arsenal 26 seconds to take the corner. This worked in Arsenal's favour in terms of making Everton lose concentration, but also worked in their favour when it comes to time wasting. Despite there being eight substitutions during the, the game and the Arsenal time wasting from set piece scenarios, there was only four minutes added on at the end, meaning that Arsenal may have found the loophole for time wasting. So one, it's corners, but secondly, the time wasting is now tailored to the big teams mm-hmm. because I think the two, if you think about where are the spaces where is it, there's still time to time waste in some way, shape or form, it's when you've got the ball with a corner because you're going to have to Set trot piece, yeah. and, then, and then free kicks. So yeah. the power of Jack Grealish when it comes to time wasting, like even if he wasn't going to start a game, get him on for the last 10 minutes if you're winning because... He goes down, he sorts his shin pads out, he gets going, like everyone sits up, oh, let's move everyone forward. Okay, we're just going to play a five-yard pass. The the time wasting for teams in the lead, if they're a good team, is going to be, yeah. is, that's going to be the only route to it now. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, will Man City's success play with two, playing with two strikers damage their hopes of retaining any of their trophies this season? Haaland has seven goals and one assist this season in the league. Meanwhile, Alvarez has two goals and three assists. Playing both of their strikers together has been a huge source of joy for Man City in the league this season, but does it come at a price? With City relying on both of their strikers for their preferred formation this season, does it take away from any rotation? Or is Pep cooking up a new false nine formation for when Alvarez and Haaland need a rest? With Doku playing on the left, will Grealish become a false nine this season and shock oh, everyone? No. Let's just end it. Let's no, just no, end no, it. Grealish's got an issue. Not an issue. Obviously, you heard the way the Pep talked about, about Doku. He's a, a proper winger. He's a proper winger, but he's a throwback and there's been so much discourse online. I might even need to log off a line for a little bit, but there's been a lot of talk about um, wingers and how wingers aren't wingers anymore and how they don't attack their fullback. And Doku is that. Um, whereas Jack Grealish is a little bit more different it's about ball retention I think Man City are looking for a bit more incision and I think Doku will bring that and so I would not be surprised to see Grealish play a little bit more centrally not as a false nine but maybe as a as an eight yeah. Um, yeah. who can travel with the ball and progress the ball into the final thirds but I think he's going to have to assess his game a little bit because what Jack Grealish has never given you in his whole career at Man City 
or Aston Villa is numbers. He never gives you numbers. And I think Doku's going to give you numbers this season, whether it's goals or whether it's assists. So it's, it just watch Jack Rich carefully this season to see how he develops. Because I think he's lucky because he's a Man City. The price tag doesn't hang over his head. But people want to see some output from Jack Grealish. So let's see how he does that when time on the pitch is maybe a little bit more limited. And it's also the KDB injury as well. Like once KDB comes back, it's going to be a complete... The City team's going to be different. Is, is Duke is still going to be starting? Is Alvarez still... Because Alvarez, I feel like it's playing the, the Gondogan role in a way. The final third is, is creating, he's assisting, he's there just, just behind Haaland. Foden, for me, Foden should be in the middle. Don't waste his potential on the left or on the right. He should be in the middle. What, in a 4-2-3-1? In a well, City they play only they play yeah, exactly. four, three, four, two, five, yeah, four, three, yeah, that new formation of theirs, <laughs> three, two, numbers, four, one, three, numbers. <laughs> three, two, <laughs> one, four. Well, no, he should be, but he should be next to Alvarez and behind Hadley. But when KDB comes back, someone has to be sacrificed. It's either Foden, it's either Duku, it's either Alvarez. The cover change is of course there next to next to Rodri. So yeah, I think the KDB injury has, has got played a part to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe once or twice you might have this this Grealish idea, but I think really that's Foden's role. For, for him to do that should be yeah, yeah I think so and like you say when KDB comes back I think that the the answer is is that all of the answers that we put forward are all correct because yeah. he will just change it and change it and change it and change it depending on who, who plays and, and it works but knowing Pep he's going to change it to a completely different he's going to play, play yeah. Doku centre back oh, Alvarez and he, Alvarez walks into any other Premier League team doesn't he Bayern Munich wanted him, didn't they? Yeah, I think Today, I think yeah. he just it's so crazy that Man City have got this player who's amazing. And if you look at the trophy cabinet as well, it's incredible. I I think any other Premier League team would be lucky to have I'm trying to think of one he wouldn't walk into. Get into all of them. Yeah, but him, him finishing top ten in the Ballon d'Or for me is like just, just chill. Just, yeah, just, yeah. just take it easy. I think the problem or sorry, the 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 brilliant thing here is that he's playing for he's playing for Man City. He's playing in that team in terms of say say the physicality that you might need from a striker. You're more likely, you know, you've got Haaland there to kind of do that for you. Like if you pop him into an Arsenal side and you're still playing Martinelli and Saka, have you now not got that little bit of physicality that you need? Mm. I think that might be the thing. It depends, kind of, you know, it's like a lot of players. It depends where you are as much as like you know, who you are, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because um, he's not, he is a different kind of striker, but he's, he's, he's ace. And, and we did say that they were going to play two up front at the start of the season before the ball was kicked. <laughs> anyway, uh, last one. Speaking of strikers, that one. With bloody love, our knees form will end Nicholas Jackson's Chelsea career. Ready? <laughs> and there's a uh, Chelsea video on the way, on the channel as well. And if, Quickly, I'm sure you're wondering how on earth they're going to score goals. Well, we've got an answer for it, so don't worry. So after his assist against Burnley last night, Awani now has 11 goal contributions in his last nine Premier League appearances and is fast becoming one of the most underrated strikers in the league. A few more contributions might see a club like Chelsea go in for him this January. Awani is what they thought Jackson would be. And with Chelsea's ruthless approach in the window, it's not outside the realms of possibility that they make a move for the Nigerian. Or do they change it up and go for Ivan Tony? And will the money Brentford received for Tony be enough for them to go for Awani? I guess I, what I kind of want to finish on is more so probably Nicholas Jackson, actually, than, mm. than Awani. I guess we'll finish off with where do you think Awani will end up? You know, will he be at Forest for the foreseeable? What's his ceiling? How are you feeling about Nicholas Jackson? Because I, I, I went to a, a live show a little while ago 
And uh, someone was getting asked about Nicholas Jackson quite a bit, weren't you, Faisal? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you were like, people saying, who's he like? Who's he like? Now, we all kind of know, like, he, I think even now it's a difficult question to uh, totally answer because we're not... He can do a bit of everything, and he certainly did that in pre-season, and I think we're all thinking Chelsea are going to do far better than they have so far. But, yeah, how are you feeling about Nicholas Jackson? Uh, has the curse struck again? No, no, it hasn't. The issue is, I think Chelsea fans might run out of patience with Nicholas Jackson before we see the best of him. In pre-season, the reason why he was so effective was the link-up of Nkunku. Nkunku's out injured, and that's been the, the biggest effect for us. And we can't sit here and plead poverty when we spent a billion. <laughs> but, like, said, like, Nkunku being out injured has killed it's us. Killing, but, yeah. again, Chelsea fans who are moaning, like, oh, my God, look at our bench, whatever. We cannot moan about anything. We spend, we spend the GDP of some countries. We, can't, we cannot complain about anything. But the injury to Nkunku has affected the way that Nicholas Jackson has yeah. to play. He's caught in two minds. Is he running behind? Does he come deep? The ball's not really sticking when we where we play it long to him. He's just got a lot of issues, and he's got a lot of players around him that don't know what they are either. The the comp for Nicholas Jackson is very very difficult. Everybody obviously wants to go to Didier Drogba. I don't see that. Maybe oh four oh five oh five oh six Drogba, but not Drogba who was the big bully yeah. back to the goal. That that's not yeah. what Nicholas Jackson can do. He's more effective running in behind. And I just think that when Nkunku comes back, we're going to see the best of him. But I think by the time that happens, Chelsea fans will have lost patience with not only Jackson but Poch, the whole club. I don't think Stamford Bridge will see a fan in there by yeah. by December. We are in dire dire straits. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, you... you guys are way too reactionary, honestly. Like, I feel like I agree with you. The Nkunku just damaged your whole system because you guys were playing 4 2 3 1 in the, in the preseason and now changed the five at the back. I still don't understand why you're playing five at the back. Like we've, when you've got when you've got wingers and midfielders, Casado's there, Lavia's there. I, I I feel bad for you guys, but it's not the situation. I don't. The situation <laughs> is not as don't. bad. <laughs> the situation <laughs> is not as bad as what people are making it seem like for you guys. Well, the thing is, it depends on what your expectations are for Chelsea. Because I, we've done so many previews and I can't even remember what I've said now. <laughs> but like, really and truly, the ceiling for us is sixth or seventh or maybe even eighth. Like, we are not those guys anymore. We are not that team anymore. People always talk about Chelsea shithousing their ways to results and that Chelsea spirit, that Chelsea grit managing to go away and get results. We can't get results against anybody. Statistically, we've had the second easiest start to the Premier League season in terms of fixtures behind Spurs and look where we are on the table. In October and November, have you seen the run of fixtures? Yeah. We are in dire straits and I'm never going to sit here and say potch out because I think he's the one saving grace at our football club. The only consistent thing there. But it's it's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better, for sure. The imbalance in the team is wild. When, when you spend <laughs> that kind of money, crazy. it's incredible. But injuries are a huge part of this. Right, final question of the podcast. Who will end their Premier League, Premier League specifically, career with the most goals? Our knee or Nicholas Jackson? <laughs> I'm going to say it. Awani will end up because I think he will. Ma I think he has a very. I think the thing that could really hurt him is a big move. If that makes sense, mm. like he would. Go, he could go to, I don't know. Let's say Newcastle, yeah, or maybe back to Liverpool, whatever it might be. And I'm not sure they'll allow him to be that starter. 
I agree with it. It's almost like the Wilfred Boney situation when Boney was balling for Swansea. He ended up going to Man City, and it's just like well, right, we exactly. never, yeah. we never saw him again. Great. And so I, I can, I can really, I can see that with him because he's, he's, he's a bully. That assist that he got for Callum Hudson Doyle, where he just brought it down on his mm. chest, it's like that was so deaf. So I think I've not seen that in this game. Or even, even the goal against Arsenal. Yeah, where he made it was running with Alanga and that great finish as well. He's, he's really yeah, showed yeah, a lot, yeah. and you're totally there, right there, James. I think a, a big move to the wrong club could kill him. Um, Nicholas Jackson scored what one goal this season. I, I wouldn't disagree if you said that he's probably going to end up scoring more Premier League goals. I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be tight because I think Nicholas Jackson will come good. I think he will. I think he's really hurting by the imbalance of the whole team there. You know, not having not having a ten in there as well to sort of help him be where he wants to be. Like you said, but Kunku. I'm going to go our knee just about because Chelsea will ship him off and he'll head off back to La Liga or something think so. like that. Possibly, I don't because well, I guess the problem you will have. Do you know what he, do you know what he's like? He, do you know what he could go to? He goes to West Ham, kills it. <laughs> it's yeah. like you know, like the club exactly. after the big club yeah, on the way back yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, that's what could occur here. Uh, what do you think? I'm gonna go with Nico. Go with Nico. Sticking with him. Okay, yeah, I'm sticking with. Okay. I want you because he's got a 12 goal head start. <laughs> right there you go. <laughs> uh, right, guys, uh, we did tease it a little bit, uh, but there's going to be some wicked podcasts on the way so make sure you follow the ripple effect uh, links to both of the guys are in the description as well so make sure you check them out we're going to have a break and then we're going to record a podcast talking about the Champions League a bit more Real Madrid I think in there as well and have a look at this top 100 players five star rating please on your way out thanks a lot 